distorted view of who God is. That is our problem. Because if you see God as who he is, and if you believe that God is who he said he is, and if you believe that the things written in your Bible were written aforetime, that through the learning of them, the adaptation of them, the application in your life, that you would have comfort in the scriptures, it would change your perspective. When he said, all power is mine in heaven and in earth, we believe some power is his in heaven and a little bit in earth. We believe that that power is not, is not really accessible to us. We believe that a miracle ought to just take our breath away. We live in an, ex, in an expectancy of God doing nothing and we're rarely disappointed. And Jesus did not many mighty works in certain towns when he walked the face of the earth as a man because of unbelief. And God does not many mighty works in our homes because we do not believe. Oh, we believe. We believe that God is God. We believe he's powerful somewhere, but not where we live. That scripture... Did I not tell you that if you'd believe you'd see the glory of God? It haunts me in a good way. Because it wasn't written just for Mary and Martha. It was written for us. Just that verse. Did I not tell you? Who? Me. God. It's impossible for me to lie. Did I not tell you that if you'd believe in your life, you would see the resplendent, resurrecting power of God in your life? And then he gives us the proof. For there's a day coming when now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. Didn't I recreate you just like I said I could? If, if, you, if your salvation happened, is there anything else in your life that's as hard as that? Did you forget who you were? Anybody besides me? Anybody else in this room, you were the last one everybody thought would be saved. Regenerated, come from way back. Recreated you and gave you a new spirit. How is it we had faith when we didn't know him to believe for the greatest miracle? And now having known him, we don't believe him for the other things. There's one verse towards the end. Where Jesus asked her, did you believe I'm able to do this? And she said, uh, even now, I believe. Even now. As far as it's gone. As impossible as it seems. Even now. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but if you can leave today with an even now in your spirit, anything is possible to you. Anything is possible to you. Have faith in God, Jesus said. And when he walked the earth, Jesus, the God-man, God in human flesh, he said, I'm revealing the Father to you. I'm trying to show you who the Father is. I'm trying to show you who the Father is. And he went into towns healing everyone that was sick, delivering everyone that was bound with affliction and demonic spirits and everyone and everyone. And other places, he just walked in and except for healing a few sick people, he'd tip right back out of their house. I, not for sign's sake, but for his glory's sake, I want to see the glory of God in my life. 
And I know there's some of you that want the same. And there are others, you didn't plan on being here today, but you're here today for this word. And I want to speak to you for a few moments by God's grace on the subject even now. Let's pray. Father, I ask you just for the next few moments that you would anoint me with your Holy Spirit. Give me clarity of mind and voice and make my uh, tongue, Lord, like the pen of a ready writer. Let me dispense truth with such accuracy and power that people would lose sight of the name of this church and me as a speaker, but they would leave saying, today I heard from God from my life. It was like a bell ringing in my soul, unmistakable. Sanctifies through your truth, O oh Lord. Your word is truth. We look for it. We search for wisdom. We ask you to illuminate our souls. Cause it to come alive to us today, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all don't be quiet on me today. Because if you'll push me just a little bit, I'll preach up a fit in this place. I'm ready. Don't be solemn. We're not Presbyterian this week. Oh, delete, delete that for me so I don't get a letter in the mail. Okay. First thing I want you to see in this passage, and I keep running this concurrent thread because some of us need to be deprogrammed with this. It's deep ingrained. Being a believer does not exempt you from the difficulties, pain, and sorrows of life. We'll say that we believe that, but we also secretly believe that if I'm walking unhindered before the Lord, that I'm somehow exempted from the test and the trials and the difficulty that other people go through. It's one thing to have problems and it's another thing to have them in your life, in your home and in your relationships. Please notice that this didn't just happen. This happened in Mary, Martha and Lazarus's home. It's not crystal clear, but it appears that neither of them were married and they were all the family they had. What do you do when Life issues hit you in your home closely where you live to the things most precious. Let's look at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They were believers in Jesus as Messiah. They were friends with Jesus. They loved Jesus and they lived in the awareness of his love for them. John the apostle wrote, he said, now Jesus loved Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. It was common knowledge. And when Jesus came to Bethany, he stayed in their home. He could stay anywhere. But he would say, I want to stay with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. Hey, do you guys have room for me? Well, of course we have room for you. Here's a question. If Jesus were to walk the face of the earth again and come to Macon, which of our homes would he stay in? Would your home qualify? For a place where Jesus would say, I feel good here. I feel good with what's coming through the TV here. I feel good with what's playing on the radio through here. I, I, I like the furnishings in this house. I like what's in the refrigerator here. I like how they spend their time. I like the... Have you ever been to someone's house and you walk in and there's just peace there? There's joy there. There's ease there. I want my house to be a house where Jesus would visit. But in looking at this passage, separate from that point, 
we see that this happened to a worshiping home. Mary is the same one that anointed Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. Other people wouldn't even give him water for his feet, but Mary brought water from inside her and poured his feet with her water and with her hair. In this day especially, the Bible says that a woman's glory is her hair, and she took her glory and wiped the mud out between his feet. She took her highest form and brought it to his lowest form, and she was a worshiper. Have you ever felt like you were close enough to God? You were a a worshiper. You loved Jesus. Jesus loved you. He lived with you. And then trouble come to your house. And the devil or some unspiritual Christian would in so many words tell you that this calamity in your home is an indictment against your character as a Christian. Because if you were walking with God, these things couldn't have happened. Now hear me so you can get the balance. When we live evilly, when we live in rebellion, there is judgment and the wrath of God falls upon the children of disobedience. Yes, but not every bad thing that happens is a result of you doing something wrong. And that liberates me in this passion, this passage. Jesus loved them. Jesus enjoyed them. Jesus was consistent with them. Jesus was frequent with them. Jesus was worshiped by them and trouble found their house. And if trouble found Mary and Martha's house, don't be surprised if it finds your house. And don't fall under that false condemnation that God is displeased with me. If God is displeased with you and you're walking with him, he'll tell you. Your situation may not be the indictment against you that the devil says it is. Number two, they brought their request before him. Verse three, it says, therefore his sister sent unto him saying, Lord, behold, the one whom you love is sick. There's a beautiful type in here of prayer. Of course, they went right to Jesus, but Jesus is now ascended at the right hand of God. And he tells us when I'm gone from you, just use my name. Notice they made their appeal, not upon all those things I just told you. Lord, your worshiper is sick. Lord, your preacher is sick. Lord, the one that did that thing for you last year is sick. Lord, you remember what all we did and how we housed you? And they did not bring in their history to their prayer request. They said, tell Jesus, or when you pray, tell the Father, the one whom you love is sick. Miracles follow after requests that originate with the heart and mind of God. I don't appeal to him based upon my works. I appeal to him based upon his great love for me. How do you appeal to the Lord? Do you appeal with the urgency as the primary thing or his love for you as the primary thing? Could it be that God's withholding some requests because he does not want to strengthen an improper foundation of prayer in your life, he wants you to base it upon his love for you. His love for you. Let me read this to you. When they sought God's help, they sought his, when they they sought help, they sought God's help. Not just help, but God's help. It wasn't Jesus plus someone else. It wasn't Jesus among many others. When they sent their request, they didn't tell him what to do. 
All they said was, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. And when they sought, when they sought his help, they didn't multiply their words and they didn't give all the details. How simply do you bring your request before the Lord? If you come over the top with it, he probably pulls back because he doesn't want to reinforce that attitude in you that if I twist God's arm long enough and quote enough scripture, he'll, okay, okay, okay. I wasn't going to do it, but great day. Okay. He's not going to endorse that. When you come before him, let your word be true and let, or let your words be few and your heart be wide open. Lord, the one who you love is sick. The one you love can't provide for his family. Lord, the one you love has to have an open door. Have you ever prayed this way? Lord, the one you love needs you to touch him today. I need your presence today. I need a miracle. Lord, I'm not going to tell you all the details because I believe you know all the details. I'm not going to tell you what to do because you know what to do. I'm just coming before you, letting you know that I know you love me today. And miracles follow that type of request. Number three. Their trial had several unanswered and troubling questions. This is the meat of what I want to share with you this morning. Their trial had several unanswered and troubling questions. I wonder why Jesus just didn't prevent it in the first place. I touched on this last week, but this is a different text. Same line. Well, couldn't God have kept your spouse with you? If we be real, couldn't God have made your husband keep his vows? Couldn't God have healed your child in your womb instead of passing the miscarriage knowing that you lost your child? Couldn't God have done it? See, we won't talk about it. We just let it fester inside of us and our unanswered questions become a poison in our soul. And you'll even, if, if you don't deal with it, it'll go further. You'll get along with God and say, why? Just answer me why. And the reason we do that is so God can give us an answer so we can decide if his reason was just or not so we can judge God's actions or inaction because we are the final authority. I've asked him why. And he loves me enough not to answer because I don't want the courtroom of my life, me being the judge of it. God's gonna answer me why. At what cost? What if he gives you the answer and you don't like the answer and you decide that God was wrong so that makes him fallible, which makes him a liar and all of your faith is in vain? Could he have prevented it? Yes. Did he prevent it? No. Because since the Garden of Eden, he has let men make their choices. He has let there be a natural progression. When someone walks out on someone, they have the ability to walk out. When your physical body shuts down, it, it can lead to death. But what God shows us in the story, and I'm just going to give you this one, is in the end, in the end, when everything's done and we fold up this world and we fold up our life, any place of lack he's going to supply and any wound he's going to heal and there'll be absolute wholeness but you've got, you've got to deal with this once and for all. He could have prevented it, but he didn't. But he's still God in my life. He's still God. I'm not going to dethrone you because you let 
this happened to me or you didn't come and rescue Lazarus. What about this question? Did Jesus even get the message? You ever felt that way when you prayed? Sometimes when y'all are just staring at me today, I don't know if it's just very deep. Everybody just makes me kind of, it's eerie a little bit. Have you ever prayed and you just felt a witness of the Holy Spirit? You go, oh, God heard me. And you just knew it. And other times your prayer sounded like an echo. There's no warm fuzzy. There's no, I heard you. There's no Bible verse that said, I'll answer you before you speak. You just don't feel anything. They didn't have your iPhone and iOS and Android and Facebook. They sent Catfish Jones up the street to go tell them that Lazarus is sick. And what if he got lost? You know, he's not real good with directions. What if he decided to stay? Because there was a lake there and he could do a little fishing. Have you ever felt like, did you, did you hear me? And if you're not careful, your feelings will override the facts that every time we call upon the Lord, when the righteous cry, the Lord hears them. Mark it down in your Bible. If you prayed it, he heard it. You don't have to check. You don't have to recheck. He heard your prayer. Why didn't he come when we called him? You do have that little small issue of he just hung out for two days. Does that trouble anybody else that reads this story? Lord, the one whom you love is sick, dying. All right. And then he stays two more days, seemingly uninterested, seemingly uncared for. I need to know today that I'm not the only one that ever feels like, did you get the message? And if you did, or nothing. No news. He didn't tell the messenger, tell them I'm on my way. He just, when he got back to Mary and Martha and he said, did you tell him? He said, yeah. Well, where is he? Oh no. Well, did he say anything? Mm-mm. He said that this wouldn't end in death, but that was it. Why didn't he come when we called him? Why didn't he hurry? I'd, I'd want to know he hurried. Like he's in the middle of teaching. He said, got to go. John's sick. That's, I appreciate that. I, that's what I would want. When I pray, listen to me. Our problem is not that we don't believe. Our problem is that we do. I believe that I'm the apple of his eye. And when I call on him, it moves heaven. I believe that he's affectionate towards me. In the same way, when little Isabel fell off the bed the other day, I mean fell off the bed, head first, and, you know, we're comforted by all these other people that had kids. They go, well, it's, uh, at least she's the first one. The next one will fall off next week. She had that cry that I knew was different. And I didn't pray about running in the room. I ran in the room and Kelly would already beat me there. There was smoke inhalation off Kelly's shoes. She'd already beat me to the room. That's how moms do. I'd like to think that when I call, he hurries. And yes, there's a type of him being a father and us being children and we're fathers to children's. But it's not an exact type because he has more information than we have. He knows the end from the beginning. I love what Bishop Jake said a long time ago in this passage. He said, he loved me enough to be late. God's not ever in a hurry. And the last two weeks, the message drove us to a Yes, yes. I think this one's just for clarity. 
to let you know sometimes en route to your miracle, you've got some unanswered questions. Why didn't you hurry? If you weren't coming in person, why didn't you send the disciples? If he wasn't coming, why didn't he do for us what he did for the centurion's son? He just sent the word and healed them. Have you ever seen God move in someone else's life in such a way that you would pray and say, well, why didn't you do that for me? You did that. You ain't stayed in the centurion's son's home. You stayed in my home. Be careful when you compare your life with someone else and a recent request answered their way to God's seeming indifference on your way because bitterness will run in like a flood and God deals with each of us individually. I just want him to be fair. No, you don't. You want him to be just and perfect. What's good for one child may not be good for the other one. And God knows you individually and knows what's best. Here's another unanswered question. If he wasn't coming, why didn't he at least send back word as to why? I mean, I know why you were late getting to Jairus' house because the woman with the issue of blood delayed you. Why wouldn't you at least let me know why you're delaying? What do you do when you look to God and God alone and God hasn't responded? What was it like, do you think, in Mary and Martha's house when they sent word to Jesus that Lazarus was sick? I believe they started off strong like you or I would have. God's coming. Jesus is coming. Lazarus, hang on, buddy. They're, they're cold towel on his head. He's anemic, could be jaundice eyes closing. They're wondering if they're losing him. Just hang on. I believe they walked the floor speaking words of faith. God's coming for us. God's going to do this. Jesus knows my trouble and our sorrow and I got word to him and he's on his way. And after the second day started, oh, where is he? Where is he? How's Lazarus? He ain't doing good, sis. He's not doing good. He's coming. I know he's coming. Do you think he's coming? I know he's coming. He's coming for us. He's coming. What do you do when you're in between the request and the answer. What do you do when you're in between the request and the answer? Sometimes just continuing is the best thing you're able to do. But your greatest need, number four, your greatest need is not an answer to your question. Your greatest need is a decree from God. If you can just find God's word on your situation, I'm telling you, one sentence can change it all. One verse, one line from a song that the Holy Spirit quickens you and says, I'm talking to you. This is your word. And here was the word, but they missed it. So follow me. The servant goes and finds Jesus and he said, Lord, the one whom you love is sick. And Jesus didn't say, who's that? The one who you love is sick. And he said, this sickness is not unto death. Now push the pause button. He didn't say, I'm coming home. He didn't say, tell him I'll be there in two days. He didn't send the word and heal him. He just put his word out there. And the Bible doesn't tell us if they grasped it or not. But if Jesus told the servant that, wouldn't you agree that the servant probably told them that? Tell them, or he said, not tell them, but this sickness is not unto death. What you need for your situation today is God's word on it. Nothing more, nothing less. 
You don't need warm fuzzies. You don't need a crowd because if they'd have took that word and said, this sickness is not unto death. You can walk through the valley of the shadow of death and when Lazarus closes his eyes, you can look at that dead corpse and say, I can't tell you anything about that, but I can declare to you bold facedly and in faith that this sickness will not end in death. He's dead. I can't do anything about that. But God's word declares that this sickness is not unto death. And if God means it's not unto death, then it's not unto death. Faith in the word of God. Don't have just generic faith. I just believe in what? Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And if your faith is not in the word of God, it's illegitimate. It's bastard faith. It's not true It has to be based on scripture. And when you read something about the character of God, the nature of God, or the promise of God, and you stand on that, you are secure. And that is an anchor in the worst of storms and in the worst of difficulty. He, yes, amen. This sickness is not unto death. What do you do when your experience seemed to contradict God's word? I don't know of a harder spot in my faith in my life with God than when I have a word from God and my experience contradicts the word. When you're believing that the Lord is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, your healer, the Lord, your healer and you're sick. Jireh, my provider, and you're in lack. You're believing him for this miracle and you've got his word. You feel the assurance of the Holy Spirit in your heart, but Lazarus has closed his eyes over here. You got the word. It's not going to end in death, but Lazarus is dead. What do you do when your experience contradicts the last thing Jesus told you? In the story of Jairus who pleaded with Jesus to come home and heal his daughter, Jesus agreed to come home and heal his daughter. And while he was walking back to the house with Jesus, word came to him that his daughter had died. What do you do? You remember the last thing Jesus told you. Jesus said he was coming home to heal my girl, then he'll heal my girl, whether from sickness or death. What's the last thing God told you? What do you do when your experience contradicts God's word? Number one, rehearse. Rehearse over and over what you know to be true about God. If you're in that situation today, you need to rehearse for yourself. Don't ask anybody else, what do I believe about God? I believe God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I believe God can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask or think. I believe that God is the self-existent one who depends upon no one to do his things. I believe that God is the author and finisher of my faith. I believe God is the one that when he speaks a thing, it comes to pass and not one word comes out of his mouth that's not fulfilled. I believe that heaven and earth will pass away, but not one jot or tittle from the book will fail. I believe that God keeps his word to a thousand generations. I believe there's no variableness nor shadow of turning with God. He's the consistent one in my life. If you're in a place where your situation contradicts the word of God, you need to rehearse what you know to be true about God. Relive the times that God has come through for you. Oh, if you could take the mic and tell your one or two stories. We could be here till next Sunday and people's jaws would drop. The people in this place that almost lost your mind. You had your nervous breakdown. There are people in this room where the doctor pulled the drape and said, it's over. 
call the family and God walked through the doctor, through the drape, through the nurse and healed your body. <laughs> Happened. When I think about what he's propped me out of and what he's done for me from a little boy on and they counted me out, they wouldn't give you 11 cents for my future. And God, who is the author of my faith, came in, strengthened me, put, put capacity in me and gave me perspective and going under and he breathed on me life and health and hope. All you have to do when Lazarus is dead in this room, don't ignore it. Don't say Lazarus ain't dead. Think about how many times he was in your home and he told you about what he did for others. You saw him open the eyes of blind people, ears of deaf people. Lepers were cleansed. Priests were humbled. Miracle after miracle after miracle. Our problem is not our problem. Our problem is we have forgot what God has brought us through. Look behind my shoulder. Listen, you hear people say, if he don't ever do anything else for me, time out. I need him to do some stuff for me. Don't say that. Right. But having said that, I got enough in my history to carry me all the way home because God has been faithful to me and he's been faithful to you. You need to bring out the stories, relive them and retell them and let faith fill your life when God kept his word to you. Relive the times that God has come through for you over and over. Remember that God is too wise to make a mistake and too good to be unkind. God cannot make a mistake. Well, Lazarus died. All I can tell you is it's not a mistake. It takes faith to step into the room with something that you believe for that died and say, God is too wise to make a mistake. Just that line, too loving to be unkind and too wise to make a mistake changes your perspective. I may not understand it, but God has all the information and he is orchestrating my life. The steps of a good man are ordered. God ordered these things. He allowed these things. The world looks on us and says, we're fools. Take your life in your own hand. I'm not fit to be the king of my life. I'm not fit to orchestrate my steps. Renew, renew your mind, purging out all fear and unbelief. Be careful how you say things. How are you doing, man? Well, uh, you know, it's okay to be authentic, but there ought to be that resonation of, man, I'm, I'm not doing good. I, I'm struggling, but I know who God is and I'm not gonna live in, fear's not of the Lord. God is not the author of fear or confusion, but of love and power and a sound mind. And all I can control is the garden of my own heart. I can't help Lazarus over here. Some of you need to be okay. That's not even in my notes. You need to be okay with saying, I can't help this right here. He, he's done. I can't help him. But in the garden of my soul, I know that Jesus heard my request and he said it won't end in the death. No fear, no anxiety. No fear, no anxiety. No fear, no anxiety. I'm gonna wait and trust on the Lord to do his thing. I'm guarding my own heart and let the Lord do his thing. Respond. Respond to your situation with words of faith, words of praise, and words of hope. Words of faith, words of praise, and words of hope. The Bible tells us that everything that has breath should praise the Lord. Unsaved people can praise the Lord. Trees of the field can clap their hands. The waters and the heavens sing forth the glory of God. Babbling brooks glorify the Lord. Praise 
is the thanking of the Lord or the expression of honor to the Lord for the things he's done. The thing, oh Lord, I thank you, I praise you for my job. You, I didn't even have a job and you opened up a door and I stepped over more qualified people. Can I get a witness here? I stepped over more qualified people. You opened a door and gave me my job. Oh God, thank you when you relocated us. Other people's house stayed on the market for six years and ours was six weeks and you just moved us. Oh, thank you, Lord, and praising him for health and for your home. But worship's a different beast. Praise, thanks him for what he's done. Worship says, even though I didn't get the job and even though I didn't get the clean bill of health and even though you didn't make a way for me, I just worship you for who you are and I recognize you as greater, greater than my current situation. So I'm not worshiping you for what you've done. I'm worshiping you for who you are separate from my small life worked in the tapestry of your divine plan. I worship you. Mary was a worshiper. Martha was a worshiper. You need to reposition yourself back on the foundation of faith. Back on the foundation of faith. Where's that verse? Where'd I tell you it was even now? Someone help me. What verse was that? Oh, we got to dig now. I'm going to wait on it because I want to read it to you. Someone help me. Which one? 21. Okay. Then Martha said unto Jesus, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother had not died. But I know that even now, whatsoever you will ask of God, God will give it to you. Even now. There's someone that was going to be here today that this is your word. Standing in the room with the dead thing. And you say from your heart, but even now, God, you can grant it. Even now. She didn't work him. She didn't manipulate him. She didn't burn candles. She just said from her heart, even now. Marriage is gone, but even now, you can heal us or heal me. Even now, Lord, the doctor said I'll be dead in three months. But even now, Lord, I bring before you the last vestige of my faith, even now, God. And I'm telling you on the authority of scripture, there's something about that kind of faith that touches the heart of God. I know what it looks like, even now. I'll stand in front of my red sea of impossibility and hold out a stick, not knowing what good that will do. Even now, I believe you, Lord. One lunch 5,000 people worth of hunger. Even now, I don't know how to tell you what to do, but regardless, oh Lord, I'm not going to give in. I'm going to look up unto you from whence my health comes from the hills of my help. Even now. And then finally, rejoice. Rejoice because this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. If our musician would come, please. Oh, it takes faith to count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations. Oh, it takes faith to rejoice, to re, to do joy again when none of your circumstances have changed. Jesus sent the word and it appears that the word wasn't altogether received or there's no mention of it, but he said, your brother, this sickness is not gonna end in death. When you rejoice, before it happens, 
It doesn't cause it to happen. It just colors your life in the meantime. It colors it with beauty. And the final thing I want to share with you, final point, is you got to take God to the place. Jesus said, where have you laid him? Take me to the place. Where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. Where did you lay him? Take me to the place that you thought I stopped caring and that I stopped being God. Take me to the place where your circumstances were so painful and final that you gave up. He's talking to you this morning. Take me to the place where you stopped believing. Stopped believing that I would come, believing that I cared, believing that I was powerless to heal, help, restore, or even raise this thing from the dead. Take me to the place. Take me to the place that you stopped worshiping me and you started questioning me. Take me to that place. Take me to the place where you grew resentful over what was left undone. Take me to the worst smelling place in your life where the decay is coming through the tomb. Take me to the place where hope died and you buried all the expectancy I had for you. I told you it wouldn't end in death and you buried it. You buried it based on what you saw instead of listening to what you heard. You've buried things that were dead to you, dead in time, but they were only sleeping to me. Too soon, I tell you. God says that today to someone. Too soon. Take me to the place that you sealed with stone so that you would never have to hurt that way again. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? You believe, I resurrect. I speak power, you see glory. Stand still and see the salvation of God. I'm going to bring back to life what you buried. Listen to this. I'm going to bring back to life what you buried. I know you couldn't keep him from dying, but nobody told you to bury it. Nobody told you to bury it. Nobody told you to bury it. There are some relationships that die and they stay dead. But you don't bury it. It dies. In your life, the only things that are impossible are the things that you bury away and don't look to God anymore. He looked at them and he said, he's groaning in his spirit at the the, the insecurity and the insufficiency and how they perceive him. And he just wept and he groaned again. And he said, picture how he would have said it. Didn't I tell you that if you would believe you would see the glory of God? Take me to the place. Here it is, Lord. And some of you this morning, God's asking you to take him to the place where you quit. It's right here. Roll the stone away. Oh God, please, no. It would be so embarrassing. Roll the stone away. And he stepped up to this tomb. The rotting flesh odor pulses out of this tomb. And he said, Lazarus, get up. And the thing they gave up on came up out of the ground and walked toward him. He said, loose him, let him go. 
And this is what I believe the Lord wants me to say to you. And when I do this thing, I want you to take everything off of them that doesn't look like I'm God. Take everything off of them that doesn't look like I'm God. This is not a sermon that says, if you respond to this, God's gonna answer your way like you want, when you want, how you want. But I'll tell you this, when you believe, even when Lazarus dies, he heals your heart, he gives you, he continues you, he perseveres. Sometimes he grants the miracle for you, sometimes he grants it in you, but you can tell God's work because you're good. If Jesus comes to your house and says, you can bury this one, and you bury it on his term, we know that everything we've lost in this lifetime, we're gonna get back a hundredfold and in the one to come eternal life. Our issue is not how it turns out. Our issue is how we pray and how we believe. And I offer this to you today and I'm gonna give you a chance to come just stand. We're gonna pray together and let you go home. I offer you this phrase. Did I not tell you that if you'd believe, you'd see the glory of God? So Lazarus gets up out of the ground, <laughs> untie him. If I'm the one coming untimely, I'm like, oh, you're pulling him off, pulling off the little thing and his eyes blinking at you. You'd have done it just bold. I'd have been like, great day. And he opened his mouth. How you doing, man? I'm good. I'd talk to him. You all right? You know, Lazarus, everywhere he went that next week, he didn't pay for haircuts. He didn't pay for breakfast. Right? So was this about Mary and Martha and Lazarus? No. God's glory. And there are people in this room. He let it go so far to get the most glory. He loved you enough to be late. But if you believe, you're going to see a level of glory that you wouldn't have seen before. Because if it had came home early, they'd have got a healing. He'd come home late, they got a resurrection. I'm just saying. If that's you this morning, there's a part of this that's resonating in your heart. Even now. Even now. I want you to come stand around this place in faith. Just stand. Come stand in the front. Even now. Even now, Lord. Even now. Even now. Even now. Even now, Lord. Glory to God. Now I want y'all to respond with me quickly. I want a girl with a girl, guy with a guy. Don't let anybody be standing by themselves, And don't overpower their prayer. Just come put your hand on their back. I'm with you. I'm with, even now. Even now. Come on, church. Come on. Pray with them. More than one is fine, but stand with them. Even now, Lord. Whatever your will is for my life, so be it. I'm not telling you what to do with Lazarus. I'm telling you the one you love is sick. Even now. I need a lady with this lady here in the front too. Someone praying with her. Good. Even now. Could I get a man to pray with this gentleman here, please? Thank you, Parker. Even now. Even now. I know in my spirit, faith is rising in your heart. I can feel it from here like bellows even now. I'm talking to you, the Lord says this morning. Even now. 
Get ready. Get ready. Even now. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God wanted me to tell you this morning, he heard it the first time you prayed. The first time you prayed. He said, I heard you, girl. Son, I heard you. And don't mistake my delay for lack of interest. It's for greater glory. It's for greater glory. I hear that in my heart. It's for greater glory. It's for greater glory. You're going to see it with your eyes. You're going to see it with your eyes. With your eyes, you're going to see it. First person. First person. First person. Those in the congregation, would you stand with us? And those in the altar, if you give me one more opportunity to say something quick to you, we're going to dismiss. I preached all of that in this vein of thought, but if you don't have this, this is where many Christians come out of balance. And if you're out of balance, if you're not in balance, you're out of balance. God does not give us his word so that we can work the word. People say, work it. If you work it, it'll work to get our desired result. No, it's to align you with God's word and God's spirit. But then your final thing is nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. I just want you to know as it depends upon me, even now, there's nothing you can't do. But I yield my choices to you. Have your way in my life. Then no trickery can happen. No deception and if Lazarus doesn't come back, he said, hey, all I know is he's going to resurrect him in the last day. We've just delayed healing. I'm good. I'm fine. Because see, if he has to do it this way, then you fall out and you're resentful and you said the word doesn't work and that prayer didn't. No, no, no. He said it will not end in death. This is not unto death. So he raised Lazarus. Okay. Lazarus could have stayed dead. He could have raised him. Well, Lazarus died again. These temporal things aren't the deal. All of the things that have happened to you and that have not happened are weaving their way into the end result and you're going to be home. But as it pertains to you, never stop believing. Never stop believing. I have prayers that I prayed, I stood, and I believed. And they didn't happen. But I'm looking you in the eye and telling you, and I was eyewitnesses to his glory. <laughs> he said, if you, he just didn't say if you believe, you get what you asked in every situation. But he said, if you believe, you'll see the glory of God. And I've beheld his glory. I'm good. I'm unanswered. I'm good. Because as for the Lord, his way is perfect. Be on the lookout for miracles. Be prepared for him. And don't be shocked when Lazarus comes out of the ground. High five him, unwrap him, and get on about your business. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.